Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in once again to another edition of the Ball on Blast podcast. I'm Sheldon Alexander here, as always, with my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what's good, my dude? Cheating on the NBA a little bit here on this Thursday night. I'm watching Duke, North Carolina, not watching the NBA. Hey, that's allowed. It's Ball on Blast. It's not NBA on Blast. That's allowed. Totally okay, allowed. Okay, good. It's good. <laughs> well... Maybe it's a little NBA fatigue because of the wild and crazy day it was in the National Basketball Association as it was deadline day. And boy, oh boy, did it live up to the hype. Yeah, did anything really big happen today? I was just kind of <laughs> up to it. No, I'm kidding. Unbelievable. But really like the, I mean, last year was pretty good too, but oh man, it just seems like every day we're, we're never bereft of any kind of storylines in the NBA. And you knew that, with this kind of season, the trade deadline was going to deliver, and holy, did it ever. I don't even know like where to begin because there's so much going on, but the Cleveland Cavaliers basically, to sum things up, they shipped out, I think, six players and brought in four players in the middle of the season. When have we ever seen anything like this go down? Basically, in, in a bunch of different trades, I guess, well, first off, I got to give respect where respect is due to the one Let's and only... Get- the, the Woj- bomb dropper himself had a great day. When Woj tweets, it's like you got to be on high alert and just sit by your computer just hitting a refresh, <laughs> right? Because he tweeted first. The first tweet he had out said, the Lakers and Cavs are close to a deal, which wasn't really on anyone's radar. So you knew the Cavs were up to something, but you didn't really know what it would be. And you definitely didn't think it would be with the Lakers, right? So you see that, and then everyone's on high alert, which led to the first deal of the day, which sent Isaiah Thomas, Channing Frye, and the Cavs' first-round pick to the Los Angeles Lakers for Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance Jr. First off, let, let's let's start there for a second there. That trade happened. Did you catch that one right away, or did the other ones catch up to you first, Webby? No, that was the first one that I heard about. And, and honestly, like we, there was a lot that happened today, but... But like most of these trade deadline days, when, when things happen, it seems like the biggest stuff happens first. Yeah. And, you know, that first domino fell right away, and it was the big one. Now, you know, this is obviously definitely surprising for the Cavs and that uh, Isaiah was the big player that they got back in the Kyrie trade. Mm-hmm. Somebody who that they thought could be, you know, a really secondary scorer on this team, you know, maybe replace some of the points that they gave up in trading Kyrie. But man, I'll tell you, the first thing I thought was, wow, like, I know that the Lakers really like Jordan Clarkson. Yeah. And and even Larry Nance. These guys are young, right? Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance are, I mean, they've been in the league a couple of years, but you wouldn't call them grizzled vets. No. I mean, I think they're both under the age of 26, maybe even 25. The the reason I think to go through this trade first, Webby, because I totally agree with you. I think this trade kind of came out of nowhere because... We knew the Isaiah thing wasn't working, but we didn't really know what it meant in terms of would they deal him, what, 15 games into his Cavalier career. But I think they win this trade anyways, because Isaiah was giving you nothing. Jordan Clarkson is better than Isaiah is at this point. And Larry Nance Jr. is the piece that the Lakers really don't want to give up, but they're doing it to get rid of the Jordan Clarkson contract because they're trying to clear space for said free agents in this summer, right? So 
they don't really want to part ways with these guys. I think like people kind of looked at this as if like it's a straight salary dump, which it is. Don't get me wrong, but the Lakers have so many young guys, and when you, when that happens and all these guys' contracts come up, there kind of needs to be a, a, a situation where you choose. And obviously, in this instance, you're going to choose. Lonzo Ball, who's under a rookie contract, and you're going to choose Ingram, who's under a rookie contract. You know what I mean? Like, there's just decisions that need to be made, and Jordan Clarkson ends up being the odd guy out, and Larry Nance ends up being the piece to get rid of Jordan Clarkson. But if you're the Cavs, you're thinking, we just upgraded huge. Larry Nance is an upgrade over Channing Fry at this stage in any way, shape, or form you look at it. And again, you weren't getting anything from IT, so Clarkson plugs right in, super athletic. Great, great pickup for the Cavs there. I, I like that move right away as soon as I saw it. I agree. I think Jordan Clarkson is really kind of underrated mm -hmm. uh, uh, in the NBA and especially today's NBA. And you know what? We'll see how, you know, that can, that's going to fit with LeBron. I mean, we see it year in, year out. LeBron makes players way better. No, for sure. It, it's totally a thing. And you're right. The LeBron boost. It'll be interesting to see. You know, you put him with super athletes like Larry Nance Jr. and Clarkson and those guys running the floor with LeBron. It's going to be so interesting to see how that plays out. But that was only the beginning of the Cavs day because they ended up making another three team deal, which has too many names in it that don't really matter. But I guess I'll just sum the whole day up. The Cavs end up trading for George Hill, Rodney Hood, obviously, as mentioned, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance. They trade away Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, Dwayne Wade, which we'll get to in a second, Derek Rose, Channing Fry, Iman Shumpert, and a Cavs first round pick in this year's upcoming draft. So let's look at this. The four for six kind of deal here, Webby, that leads us into our first turn up, turn down topic, which I know there's a lot of chaos. And you, as you can tell, I'm even flustered by all the news that happened today, but it leads us to our first turn up and turn down, which as always, turn up equals good, turn down equals bad. And the first statement, the Cavs won trade deadline day. Webby, are you turning up or turning down? In reality for this season, they definitely did. Before the Cavs got Isaiah Thomas back, they were the second best team in the East, I think. Since then, and since the kind of lineup shuffling that they've tried to do and tried to integrate uh, Isaiah Thomas into the lineup, they just lost what made them good. And so now you think that uh, you know a, a roster turnover, and obviously LeBron's got his fingerprints over all over the moves that they made today. So you got to figure that he's feeling happy, and that with this roster, maybe they can you know make a little bit of a run. It's going to take a little while to get everybody acclimated, but hey, maybe it works. Okay. So I think that, you know, for this season, they definitely won the trade deadline day. But I think theoretically and going down uh, the road uh, into next season when a bunch of people are going to be free agents and maybe even LeBron will be available. I think the Lakers won. Interesting. Being able to clear all that cap space, like is that the key there? $47 million of cap space that they cleared. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because obviously there are three major dudes available this offseason in terms of LeBron James, Paul George, and Boogie Cousins. And it's interesting to see how that will play out because the Lakers have spots for two guys opening. And I mean, if LeBron James is leaving... The Cavs just essentially helped the Lakers clear cap space for him to go. That's the one very interesting part to this. But also, Paul George, we don't really know what, like lately as we hear from Paul George, he seems to be leaning towards 
staying in OKC. And I mean, if they make a run, it's less likely that he leaves and walks away from Russell Westbrook, right? And then Boogie, Boogie's hurt. So does that like lessen the chances of him leaving? Like how much money is he going to make? Is he still going to get the max money? There's so many question marks there, but you're right. The Lakers did a good job in giving them themselves the options come this off season. Not only this off season, but next off season as well. For sure. For sure, Webby. I, I I hear you, but I got to say the Cavs did win trade deadline day, and that's because of the position that they were in. Like the Cavs just had to do something, right? Like before last night's game against the T-Wolves, which ended up being the curtain call on the Isaiah Thomas run. But Isaiah Thomas was five for 33 from three in his last seven games. Again, five for 33 from three in his last seven games. That's 15%. Like there's clearly just something wrong with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And so they had to make a move. Jay Crowder, who's an energy guy, had three rebounds in his last two games. That doesn't make sense. Derrick Rose was three for 22 in his last five games. That is just atrocious. That is 13%. So much crap going on with the Cleveland Cavaliers that they had no other choice but to just blow it up. It doesn't look good now. And I mean, I gotta, I'll be honest, Webby, I was wrong. I thought at the time that the Cavs won the deal when they traded Kyrie Irving. I was definitely wrong on that. But you you got to look past that and think about where they're at now, right? And where the Cavs are now, I think they won because you were in such a difficult situation. Isaiah Thomas thing blew up in your face. Isaiah Thomas has called out Kevin Love in meetings. He's called out Ty Lue's coaching. He said, what was the quote he had the other day about you know, when things get tough or when we see adversity, we all go our separate ways. Like right. <laughs> their locker room was just a complete mess. So everything's about to blow up internally. LeBron, as we talked about last week, people are questioning whether he's trying <laughs> in games, which is always an interesting thing. You basically had to do something to keep LeBron happy and not have this season right now blow up. You had to make it seem to LeBron as if you're trying to improve the team, not only now, but going forward, right? Like you're willing to go into the tax and they took in more money, right? So they did that. You had to get younger and more athletic. So they changed the team chemistry. They got younger and more athletic and they made it seem to LeBron at least that, hey, we're willing to spend money. We went into the cap, this, that, and the third. I'm going with the with the Cavs winning the day just because of the difficult position they were in. Yeah, agreed. Uh, they, they really needed upgrades at the spots where they're bringing in George Hill mm-hmm. and and Rodney Hood. And without getting Kemba Walker, which would have been a really nice pull, yeah. getting those two guys is, uh, I think, really going to help this team. I totally agree. I think that, you know, you look at the lineup now and IT, again, they were getting nothing from Isaiah Thomas. And I know that sounds like an exaggeration, but... No, he was... You could watch him, and he was awful on both ends of the floor. Like, we know he's not a great defender, but even on offense, he was woeful. This whole move by the Cavs is great, and it's summed up to me by this stat here from ESPN Stats and Info, right? So the Cavs retooled the roster, and what they did was they put the six players that left, right? And the average age of those six players is 30 Point seven years old, right? Right. The average age of the players they took in, 27. So you got younger, right? Makes sense. Now, another interesting thing, which just shows athleticism and like kind of pace of play here, the six players that left, 
made dunks this season. 16 for the players that left, 81 for the players that they're getting in. <laughs> well, 40 are from, are from Nance alone, right? <laughs> right? And then even the other thing, when we talk about what you need to do with a guy like LeBron James in terms of let him cook and put shooters around him, the guys that left were shooting about 31% from three-point land. The guys they brought in, you're up to 38%. 38% still isn't great, but it's an improvement. And so yeah. I think the overall question is, how much better did the Cavs get, Webby? Well, they're still third in the East. Oh, okay. 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 So did they get much better than a third-place team in the Eastern Conference behind the Raptors and Celtics? I don't think so. Really? So who's I don't the, think so. Who's the best team in the East right now? Like playoffs? Because we got to start separating this, right? And I, I say this to Raptors fans, too, when we get to our uh, wrap-it-up segment, but we need to start differentiating what we're talking about here when we say who's the best team in the East because there's a complete difference between who's going to be the best team in the East in the regular season and who's going to be the team to represent the East in the NBA Finals. So who will represent the East in the NBA Finals is my way of asking who the best team is in the Eastern Conference. I point that question to you, Mr. Andrew Webster. I'm going to have to say the Boston Celtics. They probably have the second or third best player in the Eastern Conference right now. Um, they're, They're not all the way healthy. For sure, they're going to get healthy as we uh, get closer to the playoffs, and I think that they have the best coach in the conference. I'm way more simplistic on this, Webby, and honestly, the Cavs are the best team in the East, and it's simple because they have they the best player. They got LeBron player. James. They got LeBron they James. Have- it's that simple. Until proven otherwise, I'm always going to take LeBron James in the Cavs because here's the thing, okay? I know that we'll get to the Raptors a little later on, but the, the hype that the Raptors are getting right now it's great, and they're doing a great job in the regular season. The bench is playing great. But at the end of the day, the playoffs come down to your top seven players. Only in this fantasy world are people really thinking the Raptors are still going to go 10 deep and it's going to work in the playoffs. Only team to, to do that successfully in the playoffs is the Golden State Warriors, who just happen to be the best team in the history of basketball. So, right. hey, if we think the Raptors are on that level, cool. But... Until proven otherwise, I'm still going to go with LeBron James and the Cavs. I would have went with that anyways, because I think simply simply put, we forget the Cavs won 13 straight games or whatever that run was in mid to late December with Jose Calderon playing point guard for them. And that to me says, you know what the biggest issue with the Cavs is on a day-to-day basis? Is LeBron trying or not? And we saw that last night in the game against the Minnesota Timberwolves where LeBron just went completely beast mode, right? And he put up what? It was like 37, 15, and 10. But on top of that... And had a uh, game-saving block and, of course, the game-winning jump shot in overtime. Right? And to me, that's just... You're watching LeBron and that's the max effort LeBron where he's doing it at both ends of the floor. He wants the ball when the game's on the line. And... When he's trying, which he will be doing in the playoffs, I can't bet on anyone else in the Eastern Conference to beat LeBron James. I just won't do it. I think the Cavs did a great job to solve their major problems in terms of getting younger and getting more athletic because they were just getting run out of the gym, right, against certain teams that were just faster than them and they had no answer, right? The thing is, though, a lot of these things change come playoff time. The pace of play will not be the same in the playoffs. No, we even saw it with the down, Houston benches get shortened up. 
Well, the Houston Rockets, well, because possessions are so much more valuable, right, in the playoffs. So with every possession being under a microscope, the game undoubtedly slows down and it becomes more focused in on what your stars are going to do. We even saw it last year with the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets were playing a crazy pace, a pace like we've never seen before in the NBA. And then what happened? Playoff time came around, didn't really work out the same way for them, did it? Yeah. Right? So, hey, all I'm saying is the Cavs, did they get much better? I don't think they got much better, but I think they got better enough, but more importantly, fixed the issues that they had within their locker room. Because I really think it was chemistry issues. That was a real big problem with that team, with Isaiah Thomas. And obviously, I feel like him and Crowder were probably like a click, no? And so that was just kind of... There's too many weird stories. There's too much Isaiah talking in the media. Like, that's just not, that's an ugly stench to have around your team. Like, that's not a good working environment, right? No, exactly. And a guy who's going to open up his mouth and, and, and air the dirty laundry, who's not the best player and the unequivocal leader of the team, makes for a bad look, uh, I mean, for the Cats. So I, I think it was really smart to get to to get what they got back for somebody who was definitely not going to be there come next season. I think I mean, like you say, you got a couple of young players, a couple of guys who were right in their primes, even a little bit before their primes. And even if you know LeBron does leave, you're not a total barren wasteland. Totally, as I said too, right? Like I think we 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 need to simplify things a little more with the Cavs, right? And again, is LeBron James trying? Or is LeBron James not trying? I know that sounds terrible to call that out on a dude, but I mean, when he's having 10 points in a game, I don't think LeBron James tried very hard in that basketball game, right? The second part is we talked about the locker room. And last night, I don't know if enough people paid attention to this, but in a rare instance where the sideline reporter actually provided us with noteworthy information, I don't know if you caught the beginning of the Cavs game, the Cavs, uh, T-Wolves game where Cassidy Hubberth before the game started she did a hit where she said a source with the Cavs said to her their issues have absolutely nothing to do with the game of basketball they just don't like each other yeah so when that's the report the day before the trade deadline and then the next day six dudes are shipped out I'm still going to ride with LeBron James. I'm still going to ride with the best player in the world and put whoever you want around him. He'll figure it out. I'm still betting on them to win the East. I think the Cleveland Cavaliers did a good job in terms of winning deadline day and whatever happens going forward, can't really control that, right? Worry about that when it happens, which leads us to our next turn up, turn down topic, which is Webby. LeBron is leaving Cleveland. Turn up or turn down. Oh, it's, I mean, it's the number one subject of this year's NBA season. And it seems like it, it, it just kind of rears its ugly head. And the, the answer changes week by week. But I would say that after today and the trade deadline, that barring the Cavs winning the championship, he is leaving. I think even if he wins a championship, I think he still leaves. I'm turning, really? I'm turning up on this all the way, all the way up. I just think he's over the whole Cleveland thing. If they do end up winning a championship, I think it's because he goes so ham, so beast mode. Would it be harder for him to leave after winning a championship? Of course it would. But I just think this whole Dan Gilbert thing, it's going to pop back up again. You know what I mean? It'll be calm for like six months and then pop back up again next year. And I think he just wants out. Like, it's just not a good thing at all. 
we heard the stories that came out recently about how LeBron is not in contact at all with anybody in the front office, and he doesn't talk yeah. to Colby Altman, which is a complete uh, opposite of what his relationship was with David Griffin, right? And like he obviously doesn't talk to Dan Gilbert, which we all know why from the Comic Sans biz that went on a while yeah. ago. I think he's out. Where he's going to go, I'm not really sure. I will say this, though. Philadelphia. <laughs> That's not what I was going to say, Webby. But what? <laughs> of course you would say that, though. But I'll say this. I've always thought LeBron was going to leave at the end of this year just based off the whole Dan Gilbert thing. And ever since I heard this soundbite from... I think we, I don't know if we did this in our season preview or not, but LeBron James did this thing over All-Star Weekend last year. It was called this like barbershop. I forget what it was actually called. Like what yeah, the actual, yeah, I remember. But he's in a barbershop and it's him, like Two Chains, Draymond Green, Mav Carter, um, all these other dudes, right? Like just random celebs, let's say, right? And right. they're talking about an assortment of different topics. But one of the things that came up, which was for the first time we've ever heard LeBron James actually acknowledge this, he talked about Dan Gilbert, well, not by name, <laughs> but he talked about Dan Gilbert and his decision to come back to Cleveland and how tough that was with his family. And I'm trying to look it up right now so I can play it for you. But when I heard this, to me, that was a telltale sign that LeBron James was leaving. And I never really wavered. The only thing that that changed for me, really, to be really honest with you, is the fact that today I think they helped their chances. Like they gave themselves a better chance of keeping LeBron because they still have the Nets pick and they made their team better this year. But overall, I still think he's out. But let me play this for you, Webby, and tell me what you think after you hear this, okay? All right. I mean, for me personally, when I decided to go back to Cleveland, I had to decide, like, because our owner at the time when I left decided to put out this article that we all know about where he completely like bashed me and like disrespected not only me as an individual, but it disrespected my name. And my name is not just myself, it's my wife, it's my kids, my grandfather, you know what I'm saying, my mother, so many more people. So, you know, for me, when I decided to go back and I talked to like Mav and Rich and Rand and everybody and I had to let them know because some people was on the fence. You know, even my wife was like, I ain't, my mama and my wife was like, Dad, I ain't with that. Your mom was definitely like, My mom like, was definitely like, she Dad, we no, ain't going yeah. back. And for me, it was more, it was more, I had to finally just be like, you know what, Mom, it ain't even really about that. You know, me going back is more of this. It's more of a bigger picture and it's more of a all these kids, all these people that need inspiration and need a, a, a way to get out. And I believe I'm that way out. So we're talking about LeBron James. And first off, that's the first time again that we publicly heard him acknowledge how upset he was at upset. Not only he was, but his family was at the whole Dan Gilbert letter that he wrote when LeBron left Cleveland the first time. Right? right. So his family's upset. Even like his his other his uh, other advisors, his crew around him. Right. Like nobody really wanted to come back, but he only came back to me. That sounds like to win a championship for Cleveland. And he did that. Right. 
So I think like he has that ultimate pass now that he can just leave. And I think everything that we watched happen this entire season has just been playing off of that clip where he's saying the starting point, he's not letting us forget that the starting point for his beef with Dan Gilbert is Dan Gilbert talking out of pocket and saying the most egregious things about LeBron James. And again, as he said, not only his name, but his family's name, right? So that's the starting point. And everything since then, to me, has been LeBron James setting up the situation where he makes the Cavs front office just look like the biggest joke so that he has an excuse to leave. But to the haters that are going to doubt him, he can say, well, hey, look, put yourself in my shoes. Would you want to work for this guy? But it's kind of a little more than that, too, because it seems like the Cavs front office is bending to his every win. They have you to. know, I, I mean, he, he, listen, he obviously was not the catalyst, but he didn't help the Kyrie Irving situation with him leaving for, for Boston, which he totally could have, you know, well, and w- what happened with it talking out of pocket about the team and the players that got shipped out, the players got shipped in. That definitely looks like, you know, Hey, let's get guys in that, that can play with LeBron guys who are LeBron approved. Well, LeBron was definitely salty about, first off, he told, the the story came out that LeBron, when the whole Kyrie trade thing was going on, or the talk started, began, let's say, LeBron went to them and said, just get him to training camp, don't trade him, I'll make it work, I'll fix it, don't trade him. And then obviously when they went back to Kyrie, Kyrie threatened and said, he's done, he's not playing anymore for, he will not play another minute in that uniform, he's done, he's gone, trade him. So then the Cavs supposedly made this trade for Isaiah Thomas without talking to LeBron. And so we heard LeBron was upset because he would have rather had, who was it, Paul George and Eric Bledsoe, right? Right. And so that didn't happen, and that's led to LeBron's anger. And then on top of that, you get Isaiah Thomas, who doesn't come in as advertised. But to me, like, again... I know this is this sounds like crazy, but I need we need to like simplify this whole thing, right? Because last night embodied the entire reason why you let LeBron James get away with all of the the things that we make fun of him for, right? Like the the sneak dissing on Twitter, the Instagram messages, the passive aggressive comments that he makes all the time, right? right the, back, right. the backstage maneuvering of where he's playing puppet master and moving the chess pieces all the time. The reason why you let him get away with that is exactly because of the game last night. Because when he wants to be, he is the best player in the NBA by far. And he can win you a game whenever he wants. And that's why no matter what, as angry as Cleveland could be when they were leaking these stories about, oh, he won't waive his tra- no trade clause and Dan Gilbert this and Dan, it's like, get Dan Gilbert out of here, right? Like, Dan Gilbert yeah. is nothing without LeBron. LeBron leaves the Cavs, their value goes down, what, like tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Well, now, isn't Gilbert looking to sell the team? I think that's a bluff. I think that's a bluff because... If he if he puts out there that he's looking to sell the team, maybe LeBron might want to stay. And as long as LeBron stays, like who who's selling a team that LeBron James is on? That's not good business. Why would you do that? Get it when it's the absolute most profitable that but you it, can make it. I mean, any team that LeBron James is on is going to go. It's going to be the most valuable team in the league that you're in. True, but it's going to continue to be profitable as long as LeBron James is still there, right? Unless like, he leaves. 
Well, I mean, we talked about this a while ago. I think maybe during the summer, right? Because, oh no, it was during the NBA Finals. And Dan Patrick had this story where he heard from a good source that before LeBron James came back to Cleveland, what he tried to do was he tried to negotiate a deal where Dan Gilbert and the owner of the Detroit Pistons would swap franchises. Right. Remember that story? Yes. So now take us back to that. And that's all leading up to exactly the same thing I'm talking about with that clip we just played earlier, right? LeBron has a complete disdain for Dan Gilbert. He wants nothing to do with him and rightfully so. And so as much as he came back to win a championship again, he did that already. But in terms of knowing that he's think about everything else that happened too, right? Like he's forcing Dan Gilbert. He's forced Dan Gilbert to overpay Tristan Thompson, to overpay J.R. Smith, right? He forced them to do these things to go into the luxury tax on purpose, right? He was trying to get Dan Gilbert to even use the Brooklyn Nets pick. I think like we've talked about that, right? Like I just think all these things are leading to how can I screw Dan Gilbert, right? And the ultimate petty move. But again, when when you're able to hit game winners like that, Webby, you get to be as petty as you want. The, <laughs> the flip side of that, though, right? Right. The flip side of that, though, is when you're Isaiah Thomas and you're not getting buckets, right? You don't right. get to talk up in the media like that. Your ass gets traded. That's just the reality of it, right? Uh, side note, we talked about this off air, but the whole Isaiah Thomas getting traded and then his agent texting Rachel Nichols while she's on the air doing the jump to say, doing her show on ESPN is called The Jump for those who might not know what I'm talking about. Or if you don't know who Rachel Nichols is, like, I don't know that why you're listening to a bat. No, that doesn't make sense, right? You're listening to a basketball podcast. You have you to know, know who Rachel, Rachel Nichols, Nichols is. Yeah. So anyways, IT's agent t- sends her a text message, which first off is a huge sign of credibility because we know we big up Rachel Nichols as being just an absolute gangster, first off. But secondly, texts her to say Isaiah Thomas will not be coming off the bench for the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, in, you're all, telling, in, in all caps, by the way. In, like, you're telling me that's not a petty move, right? Like, IT, you don't get to be that petty, bro. That's not how this works. <laughs> I mean, the way that things just played out for the Cavs and LeBron James, I mean, if we're ranking... I know we just did the turn up, turn down. Did the Cavs win trade deadline day? If I think the Cavs won, in second place was LeBron James because he improved the situation now to give the one last hurrah to Cleveland if this is farewell. And again, if this is farewell, he now the path is clear for him to go to the Lakers, which most people are assuming that if he leaves, he's probably going to the Lakers. Could you see him going to the Lakers if the whole Lonzo ball and LeVar ball circus is all still around. Oh, that, I mean, you want to talk about the Cavs being an amazing soap opera this year. Just imagine LeBron against LeVar. <laughs> <laughs> Just LeVar coming out and being like, listen, LeBron James is trash. And if he doesn't pass my son the ball, then he's <laughs> worst. I, I, I need that in my life. <laughs> That'd be so amazing, right? Like, I mean, I don't want LeBron to leave. I also think that he should, and I should have prefaced this whole thing. Do I think LeBron is leaving? Yes. I think he's going to go to Houston, which is a whole other story. But I think he should stay in Cleveland just because why do you want to go to the West? Like, you're going to have to go through Golden State every year. 
You're going to have to go through the Spurs because somehow they figure out a way to have a competitive team each year. You're going to have to go through Houston. You're going to have to go through the T-Wolves. So why not stay in the East where, you know, you have the Celtics, but then you have the Raptors. And I, I don't think LeBron James is afraid of either of those teams when it really comes down to the come down, right? What about the Sixers? <laughs> yes. What, the Sixers what do about, have cap space. I'll give you that. What, why not? What about the Sixers? I don't know, man. Is, is JoJo willing to share the spotlight with King James? Listen, what a team that would be. <laughs> Listen, I nothing is out of the realm of possibility. I just watched the Eagles win the Super Bowl last week. Oh, don't worry, Webby. I'll save you time for that. Don't worry. We'll, we'll get to that, my dude. We'll get to that for sure. But LeBron is leaving Cleveland. I think we both turned up on that one, right? Yeah. 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 Um, if LeBron does leave, people are thinking he'll head west, which is currently owned right now by the Golden State Warriors, which shifts us into our next turn up, turn down topic. Again, for those who are uninformed, turn up equals good, turn down equals bad. Our next topic, the Warriors should be worried. Now, we're bringing this up because they're on a bad slide right now, but it was capped off by a horrible, horrible loss where the Warriors were just run out of the gym at home by the Thunder. So, Webby, I'm asking you, should the Warriors be worried? Absolutely not. I'm turning way down on this. Okay. They have nothing to be worried about. Listen, you're the one who thinks that the Cavs are still the best team in the East because they're going to make the finals. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking the same way in the West. So here's my only counter to you, right? My issue here is LeBron James. The reason why I'm saying that LeBron James shouldn't be worried is because he's LeBron James. He's not worried about Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. He's not worried about Kyrie Irving, who he consistently thought of as his little brother. In the West, if I'm the Golden State Warriors, and as we just saw them go up against the OKC Thunder and get blown out by 20, it's not that far-fetched that those teams could meet up and the two best players in that series are Russell Westbrook and Paul George. It's here's not that. I'm, here's what I'm saying, okay? Okay. Uh, wouldn't be worried about the, the Rockets because, as we know, uh, Chris Paul has never been out of the second round of the playoffs. <laughs> and we're not sure that the Rockets can sustain their, this level of basketball, the style of basketball in the postseason when uh, possessions get longer, you know, um, fouls are harder and the bench gets shorter. I don't think that the Warriors should be very afraid of the Spurs, especially if Kyrie, or if, especially if Kawhi Leonard isn't 100%. Mm-hmm. And listen, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, and Russell Westbrook are three absolutely great players, but they're just not as complete top to bottom as the Warriors are. See- and and mm-hmm. they're definitely not as well coached. Okay, so first off, we all know, we've already discussed this. I think Steve Kerr is so overrated as a coach, and this is happening. We're seeing this right now. But on top of that, there's nothing to be said for the fact that the Golden State Warriors just lost to a team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, which means they've been blown out by OKC in two games that they've played this season, and the Thunder are 5-0, and with an average margin of victory of 16 points per game against the Cavs, Raptors, Rockets, and Warriors this season, that that means nothing to you? 
No, listen, Shelly, you think that the Cavs are going to make the NBA Finals? They lost to the Magic. For sure they did. But that's what LeBron not trying. So we think well, the Warriors aren't trying? Well, if, if And I heard someone actually say this, which to me sounds completely ridiculous, that the Golden State Warriors would not get up for a game against the Oklahoma City Thunder? Come on, man. Yeah, Russell Westbrook not- and Durant have been trolling each other for how long? There's no way that I'll believe that the Warriors are just like, uh, whatever, it's a regular season, it's a Thunder, we don't care. No but way I believe not a, that. That's not a bad loss, though. I understand that it's at home, but listen, the Thunder are far more into that game to win it in the regular season in February than the Warriors are. I totally We're agree. We're talking about who is going to win the NBA championship right now, and the Warriors are definitely the favorite right now. They are the favorite, but the the, the topic was the Warriors should be worried. And I'm saying— And they shouldn't they, be. They shouldn't be worried. <laughs> they— <laughs> I love it. I love it. They definitely I, should. You know be me. I'm a Warriors hater. Yeah. I think Steph is overrated. I saw him on the sideline at the Super Bowl cheering on the Patriots. Goes to show you what kind of guy Steph Curry is. <laughs> I completely understand, but the Warriors have nothing to be worried about. Do you know what the Warriors need to be worried about? Draymond Green has played like trash the whole year. Right, his defense is still good. His defense is still good. Defense is still solid. But offensively, he's... He shot the ball like trash the whole year. His shot is hot lava trash. Andre Gudala looks super washed. Yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. double down on that. And their bench is a bunch of, like, rookies that are totally unproven. We don't know what you're going to... Like, you're really relying on McCaw and Jordan Bell and... Well, Jordan Bell was playing really good until he got injured. Steven Adams was... Here. Here's <clears> a telltale sign. Steven Adams was giving them the business right yeah, Stephen Adams really good though they subbed in JaVale McGee to a standing ovation first play Adams low block drop step reverse layup and one <laughs> I was just like come on man your answer is is JaVale McGee you're gonna be relying on swaggy P in crunch time minutes I'm just so saying that, I'm just saying team, the, the that margin that was- the margin of error that Golden State has this year even with Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Draymond, and Klay Thompson, right? That team is amazing. But the margin of error, right, is so much less than it was before. Because Steph gets scared when he sees Russell Westbrook. These like Steph no, is we, not Steph when he sees Russell, Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook may not even get it out of the first round of the playoffs. Hey man. Hey, you're right. That's a very tough series if they end up matched up against the the T-Wolves, but I totally agree with you there. It's a very tough matchup against the T-Wolves. I'm just saying the Warriors have lost big to the Houston Rockets and to the Oklahoma City Thunder. You can tell me it's the regular season all you want, but no matter who you are, you could be the 2000 Lakers, Kobe and Shaq. There are games against certain teams where you have circled on your calendar that you know this is a big boy game. You can't no show. They've lost 13 games. That's there's fine. Nothing, there's nothing for that. There, there's no worries for them. I just think I don't, I don't treat every regular season game as an equal, right? So I'm not saying you do. I'm just saying like in general, like just trying to give a scope to where my thought process leads on a lot of these things because we're going right. to get to the Toronto Raptors next, right? So whenever we throw out like what, 
you know, oh, this team's record's this and this team's record's that. And like, we still need to sit down and like watch these teams play against each other. And I think that, you know, all games aren't created equal, right? And when I watch that game, we know Russell's coming in with a little extra juice against the Golden State Warriors. We know that already. We know KD's coming in with a little bit extra juice. Steph, I mean, you know where I stand on Steph. I, I, I'm one of those people that believes that people who think that Steph Curry's better than Russell Westbrook need to sit down and watch more basketball, right? That's, that's the stance that I'm on. But all I'm saying is I'm not, I'm not saying Golden State is going to lose in the playoffs. I'm not saying they're not the favorite. I'm just saying they should be a little worried. And Steve Kerr might need to start actually doing some coaching instead of just like being passive aggressive and trying to make jokes in press conferences. He might actually need to like do some coaching and figure something out because JaVale McGee. You're great. The guy, the guy who had two NBA championships and been to what, three straight finals? Do you think that you couldn't have coached the Golden State Warriors to a championship? And Come you're on. You're starting man. to sound like your boy LeVar Ball here. Hey, I didn't call him Millie Vanilli. I just said that I think I could have coached the Golden State Warriors to an NBA championship with Kevin Durant. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, a not washed Andre Iguodala. <laughs> like, come on, man! Like, really? No, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to give me more than they, that. They that they lost to. Uh, they lost to the Thunder for them to be worried. They have nothing to be worried about. I just think resume shows that when that team gets punched in the face, they back down. Like, there's. It's still inexplicable to me that they lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers in that NBA Finals, up 3-1. No, it's crazy. Right? Like, it doesn't make any sense. I just think that when a team, like, when Mo, like they're great at being front runners, right? Their team is just better than other teams. So if they come out and they throw out that huge first hook, they throw out that first punch, and the other team kind of staggers, they're good at front running. But when the other team punches them first, they're in for a fight. And Russi is going to come in punching them first. Are they going to win the series? I'm not willing to go that far yet, obviously. But all, all I'm saying is, I am definitely turning up. I'm definitely turning up. The Warriors should be worried. I'm turning way down. I think you're crazy on that one. <laughs> that is amazing. That is absolutely amazing, Webby. Um, well, you know, that wraps up our turn up, turn down segment. But in terms of worry, I don't think anyone's worried right now in Raptorland, which leads us to our wrap it up segment. And I think the big news for the Toronto Raptors is they've had a massive week in which they had their big showdown with the Boston Celtics. Kyrie Irving was healthy when they came to town earlier this week. Healthy-ish, I'd say. Healthy-ish. It was his first game back after being off for a bit. Uh, One of the Morris twins, because I still can't tell them apart. I don't know which is which. But the Morris twin that plays on the Boston Celtics, he also came back into the lineup and he was healthy. So. They didn't have their full, full roster, but they were close, right? Big time matchup. The Raptors ran the Celtics out of the gym, right? Raptors run the Celtics out of the gym, caused most people to automatically just jump, dive right into the Raptors are going to win. They're going to finish first in the East and they're going to win the Eastern Conference crown. Webby, where do you stand on this? How much did the win against the Celtics 
change your outlook on the Raptors? Not there. I think that they're uh, uh, team 1A or 1B in the Eastern Conference. I mean, Kyrie obviously first came back and play exactly all the minutes that you would think that he would play mm-hmm. uh, had he been kind of not, not coming off an injury. Uh, but I thought that, like we've been saying all year with this Raptors team, it's uh, it's a different beast when you put in your second unit and they've got to go against the Raps bench squad. No, definitely. I think for me, I think you, I know you were already kind of on the wave where you thought the Raptors were definitely a conference finals team and going to finish first in the East, right? Like, I, I feel like you were already on that wave, right? Oh, yeah. I was kind of on the other side. Like, I'm still in this in this mode where, to me, the regular season doesn't really matter. And I know that at the start of the year, everybody did seem to agree where Raptors fans were kind of like, whatever, regular season doesn't matter. Can they beat the Cavs? That's all that matters this year. And then the season started. And I think the Raptors obviously got off to a way better start than most anticipated. The bench and the Young Bucks took a bigger leap than most people anticipated. And all of a sudden, all that was out the window. And everyone automatically just thinks now, Okay, even if they finish first, that also then means that, hey, the Raptors are going to win the East or they can win the East. And to me, I'm just not swayed that much. I still haven't forgotten what's happened year after year. You know, like to me, it still comes down to Damar and Kyle, the same dudes who, if we remember correctly, just last year in the playoffs, when Kyle didn't play the last what? two games or three games was it i think the last two games for sure right the two games in toronto and you know him and damar were up in the press conference saying well the difference was they had lebron james so what's the difference now they still have lebron james that's what your two stars were telling me last year so what are they telling me this year but here's the difference between this year and last year and even the year before and the year before that is that in the regular season, those guys were playing so many minutes mm-hmm. and long, you know, getting so many miles on those legs, using up all of their batteries. Now, the, the best part about this bench unit that the Raptors have going, this second team almost, is that what it's doing is in the playoffs, it may not translate. But it's definitely conserving the energy of those two guys it's, and Lowry specifically. So when the when when the benches do get shorter, when the possessions do get longer in the playoffs, the hope is is that these guys have a little more energy than they've had the last couple of years. Because like we know, it comes down to seven or eight player teams in the playoffs, and the Raptors will have those two guys, their most important players, with a little more energy. So to me, here here's an interesting stat I, I saw, Webby, because it's very interesting. You know, like I feel like every single year there's different stats that show that this Raptors team is better than the year before. I feel like for the last however many years, how long has it been? Four-year run? Every single year, it's, oh, this is the best team in franchise history. Okay, whether that's true or not, whatever. Cool, the playoffs decide that, whatever, right? So here's a stat, okay? The Raptors are the only team in the top five in both offensive and defensive efficiency, okay? Over the last 40 years, 35 teams have been in the top five in both. Okay, follow me here. 31 of those teams won a playoff series. 27 of those teams made the conference finals. 14 of them made the finals. 11 won the title. And just a word here, but four of those teams 
also lost in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, the only reason I bring this up is to say, yes, we learn a lot from the regular season. We definitely do. But remember the 2006-07 Mavs? They were pretty good in the regular season too. And what happened to that? They lost, lost in the, the first, first round. round. Now, I'm not saying that the Raptors are going to lose in the first round. I think people think that just because I'm taking like I'm not taking the the fan approach of this is like the greatest Raptor team ever that I'm like down on the team or I'm hating on the team. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying temper your expectations, right? Like don't because you're just going to get let down, right? Like don't don't get that high and like, you know, sell yourself on yes, if the Raptors don't make the finals this year is a is a failure because I don't think that's the case. If they lose in the second round again to the Cleveland Cavaliers, well, you can look back on this season and say the way that our team developed Freddie, DeLon, Pascal, Yak, the whole second unit, like that's a win. Even if they do lose in the second round of the playoffs to the Cavs, I just think that people are setting themselves up with all this like finals talk and like conference finals for sure and the best team in the East talk. Like that's to me. You need to worry about are you developing your your program and your young bucks, and that needs to be the focus because the regular season, whatever, it doesn't mean anything. LeBron just traded. The, the regular season means so much that the Cavs just traded half their team with 30 games right. left and still have championship aspirations. So, yeah, that's what I'll say about the Raps. And listen, if they have to play the Sixers in the first round, Sixers have given them trouble all year. For sure, right? And that's the thing too. Like the biggest thing we keep talking about, we're so focused on, you know, the Cavs and you know the Celtics and are the Raptors the best team in the East? Like, hold on a second here. They could be looking at a first round matchup against the Bucks. Like, do you want like that's a tough out if the Bucks drop in to, to seven and you have to play a two seven matchup against Giannis? I don't know if you want that life, right? Like somehow the the Pistons are coming on and I'm not saying the Pistons are world beaters by any stretch, but I'm just saying the first round isn't going to be that easy unless you're playing Indy, <laughs> right? Which, yes, I know I'm throwing major shade at Indy right now, but... Yeah, really, come on, that's my boy Lance. But no, but again, right? Like the first round matchup isn't going to be a gimme. And I just think that it's so unfair to automatically think that, okay, well, yeah, if we don't make the finals, this season's a disappointment. I just think, you know... Again, the bench had another great night tonight against the Knicks, and I think people get blinded by the fact that the Raptors bench is better than a lot of crappy teams like the Knicks, like the Grizzlies. The Raptors bench is better than a lot of those teams' starters, and obviously way better than their benches. So I think people get blinded by that and and put so much emphasis into it when playoff time again, you're going to roll eight eight dudes out. And it's going to come down to your best players. You're not going to play that fast, up-tempo game in the playoffs. You're just not going to. That's not how basketball works. It's never worked like that. We've seen maybe the Golden State Warriors, again, the best team ever. And so there's so much emphasis put on the bench and what the bench is doing. How, how many minutes do you think in the playoffs, the Raptors bench unit as a full unit is going to be in the lineup, in the playoffs? Yeah, well, not that many, but... They're going to have a lot of players that they can, that they're going to know what they can do in what situations they can do it in. So maybe if they're not running 12 deep on a given night in the playoffs, they can say, Hey, you know, now's the time when we really need what Siakam gives us, or now now's the time when we really need what Fred gives us. 
but I agree with that point, and that's what I mean. I think those are the things we need to focus on, right? Like the development of all these players. But don't get so fooled by, oh, the Raptors bench just ran another team out of the gym because that's not going to happen in the playoffs. The Raptors bench is not going to be playing against other teams' benches in the playoffs. Other teams are only going to go eight deep, right? So are they going to run the other team's starters off the floor in the playoffs? I mean, that's high praise if that is the case. And more power to Masai because he'd be a, an even greater genius than I already think he is <laughs> if that's the case. Is, yeah. <laughs> right? I don't know. It's just another one of those things. Again, just remember that stat, right? Top five in both offensive and defensive efficiencies. Yes. Out of In the past 40 years, 35 teams have been top five in both. 14 of those teams have made the finals, but also four of them have also lost in the first round of the playoffs. I'm just saying that there's a lot of room in between there. So again, enjoy the ride. Enjoy the development of the bench. Yes. And you know what, too? You know what we really need to do? Give Coach Casey some credit. Oh, I don't, yeah, he's going to be a coach of the year finalist, but we called that early, though. We did call that early, and I think he he needs to get so much more credit, even just little in-game adjustments that you know we might not have seen from Coach Casey's staff in prior years. But like the thing they did against the Celtics, which was so amazing, where you know Al Horford is almost works as like a point forward for the Celtics, right? They run a lot of offense through him, and sometimes Kyrie's off the ball, or if Kyrie's not on the floor, the offense will run through Al Horford, and he's very good at passing the ball. And what did Coach Casey do that worked so perfectly against the Celtics? They had Ibaka guard Al Horford from midcourt, right? So he's yeah. D'ing him up hard, which a big guy's not really going to be used to. A big guy's barely now, it's barely now used to, you know, handling the ball on the perimeter, much less being guarded from half court. And that kind of threw a wrench into Boston's plans. And, you know, Horford said, he admitted that's a, a look he'd rarely seen before. So, hey, Coach Casey's doing, he's pulling all the right strings. Again, Kyle and DeMar, what a difference a year makes. Last year at the trade deadline, both those guys were asking for help, saying they need help. This year at the trade deadline, they're saying we're good. And I got to give a lot of that credit to Dwayne Casey and getting those guys to buy in on having less minutes and taking less shots and getting less points. But all that means to me is that there's no excuses come playoff time. Right. None. I wanted to move on to our Feed Me segment. And the interesting part of the Feed Me segment, which is the best and worst things to come across our social media feeds yeah. <laughs> in the past week, I will say that my social media feed is still filled with trade deadline stuff because it was just such a wild day. And I just want to go through a couple of the funny gifs or gifs, whatever we're calling. I know I say that every single day, but uh, <laughs> the one where someone took the picture of Will Smith, you know, there's two super emotional episodes of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. One when uh, Carlton gets shot or he takes all yeah. the drugs and he ends up in the hospital. And the other when Will's dad leaves him. And someone yeah. took the someone took the picture of Will after his dad leaves, and it, the caption just said, "How come he don't want me, man?" <laughs> and it just said Kyrie Irving today, or not Kyrie Irving? Sorry, I blew the joke. And the the caption just said uh, Isaiah Thomas today. <laughs> it's just so perfect. How come he don't want me, man? Nobody the wants other, Isaiah. The other one that I liked was the uh, the picture 
um, of the little girl, uh, and in the background, the house is on fire, and all the all the firemen are putting out, and in the foreground, it's the little girl, and she's turning around to the camera and smiling. Only her <laughs> face is Kyrie Irving's face. I saw that, yes. So good. So good. Again, the, the NBA, the other thing about Twitter that's so cool, and I feel like the NBA embraces this so much more. I feel like the players, we see the NBA players that when craziness is happening, they're just like us heading to Twitter. And like we saw Joel Embiid in the middle of all this tweet, wow, this is crazy. LOL. The NBA is amazing, which is the exact same thing that like you or I would be tweeting, right? But this is something that an NBA player who is directly involved because he'll have to play the Cavs and the people involved in this, he's kind of just sitting back, scrolling through Twitter, just in amazement of the craziness that's going on, right? Yeah. But other couple, like, let's go through some more jokes that came across my social media feed today. There's one from uh, at Zietz who says, the Cavs probably never even added Isaiah Thomas to their group chat. Cold world. (laughs) Well played, well played. There's the meme of LeBron where uh, there's a one day where he came to the uh, press conference and he had the do-rag on. Yes. He had the do-rag on and people put the cigarette in his ear and one in his mouth just dangling. And the caption says, Jordan Clarkson, Kelly Clarkson, Ian Clark's son, Cavs in foe. (laughs) I love those ones. (laughs) So good. So good. But just another reminder is I've been bigging this up for a while. Keeping up with the Cavs is the best reality show on TV. Bye. Okay, here I got one feed me thing for you. Give it to me, Webby. Okay, the one of the trades we didn't talk about. Okay. Alfred Payton to the Suns for a second round pick. I like don't even I don't I treat the Suns like a D-League team. I don't care. Okay, so Alfred Payton, our, our friend with the terrible hair. Yes, yes. One, one day ago, he tweets, if you ain't good, you gone. Prayer hands. No. <laughs> today, that did not happen. Today, he's traded to the sun. <laughs> I mean, you know what's funny about that? Like, you're on the magic, so it's not like, like I don't know who's actually better, the suns or the magic. They're both shitty. But it's one thing to get traded and there's always the hope that, oh, maybe your situation will improve. But you just went from, like, one shitty situation to another shitty situation. Like, that sucks. Too funny. <laughs> uh, another thing, Channing Fry, who was a, a lovable member within the Cavs locker room, right? He leaves, and he was always a, a class act. But he took to Instagram to to leave a message for the Cavs, and he took time to thank the Cavs organization and the Cavs fans, you know, and the championship run was great, great memories, all that. And then at the very end, he says, note to everyone else, if you go 0 for 6, they'll trade your ass. (laughs) (laughs) Again, the NBA is so good. I love it so much. The breakdown of like just everything that happened last night in the game with Isaiah Thomas and how people were like, spot shadowing the fact that he was trying to get daps from LeBron after the game and LeBron's kind of basically looks like he's hugging every other player on the Cavalier team other than Isaiah Thomas. I thought that was amazing. Just like the 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 deep dive, the almost CSI type breakdown of the footage of what happened on the Cavs celebration. Like it's just so good, man. So so fantastic good. stuff. The NBA is outstanding again. It never leaves us unentertained 
There's always so much to talk about. I just love everything about the league. And one thing we didn't really talk too much about was Dwayne Wade going back to Miami, which was one of the lesser Woj bombs of the day, but still a Woj bomb because it kind of came out of nowhere, right? Right. So as the story goes, Cleveland making all these trades, right? Bringing in all these other perimeter players, they went to Dwayne Wade because they said they wanted to do right by Dwayne Wade, right? So they brought in all these dudes and they go to him and they say, hey, your minutes are probably going to go down a lot because we're going to play these younger, more athletic guys going forward. But we want to do right by you. Like, if you want to get traded, we'll trade you. We could trade you to Miami. We'll try to work something out. And D-Wade agreed. They also went to LeBron to get like his take on the whole thing and run it all by him to make sure he was cool because obviously a major reason they brought in D-Wade was because of his relationship with LeBron. So D-Wade going back to Miami. We almost forget because we don't talk about them a lot. But Miami's a pretty solid team in the Eastern Conference right now. I know Dwayne Wade is washed, but is this a good move? Like, is this a good, like, morale move? Like, does this move the needle at all, Dwayne Wade going back to Miami? No. <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't think, uh, I mean, where would they use them? I have no idea. I have no idea. Do you know what I really think, though? Do you know what I think the biggest reason was? They bring back Dwayne Wade, and they know they automatically will sell millions more of those Miami Vice, Miami Heat jerseys. They'll sell so many more of those jerseys now that Dwayne Wade's back, because even if you already bought one, right, and you bought, like, a James Johnson one, you're definitely going to want the the Dwayne Wade one, right? Gotta get the Wade piece. Well, non-Heat fans now will buy a Dwayne Wade one just because the jersey's so sick. And you couldn't really, if you're not a Heat fan, you can't really walk around with a Goran Dragic jersey, right? Oh, a Waiters piece, though? (laughs) Come on, man. You can't do that. You needed the Dwayne Wade one to pop off, no? Yeah, yeah, 100%. (laughs) Definitely a marketing move, for sure. I don't know. I just think that today has just been such a crazy day in the NBA And anytime, you know, the Lakers are involved in anything and Magic Johnson's coming out to do press conferences, we know the world is is, is super crazy in NBA land. So much going on again, as always, as as you know, we tape this Thursday night and even crazy game going on right now between the Celtics and the Washington Wizards, who continue to play well without John Wall, which is a crazy story on its own, but... I'm just excited for the playoffs on both sides. But to wrap up kind of deadline day here, Webby, are there any moves or someone, there are a couple other names that were out there that didn't move. Which one did you want? Were you kind of disappointed didn't get moved? Kemba or was it DJ, you know, who kind of left you feeling upset? I would have liked to see Kemba go to the Cavs. I would have seen, I'd like to see uh, Mark Gasol get traded to somebody who had, you know, a first round pick to give up for him, something that the Grizzlies could have used. But, I mean, we saw that earlier with with, uh, with our boy Fizdale getting tossed out of there for uh, for not playing him. But you know, Mark Gasol really could have uh, taken a team and got them a, a lot closer to the, uh, to the precipice, as it were. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I think Mark Gasol moving would have been a good move because, again, who knows what Memphis is really doing, what their game plan is going forward. I'm kind of surprised the Celtics didn't do anything, you know. Well, they already kind of did in in just kind of uh, signing Greg Monroe. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, it's a good thing for Raps fans that uh, 
Raps and Cavs fans that they didn't get Lou Will, which was kind of floated around for a bit before yeah. he decided to re-sign with the Clippers. Um, obviously, the Clippers also kept DeAndre Jordan, so I guess their playoff run is still a thing. I guess you know, well, which is which is interesting too, because I mean Utah getting rid of Rodney Hood. I yeah. mean, with them right in the mix, it, I mean that last spot in the West is wide open for the Lakers to take it. Oh, the Clippers, the Clippers. The Clippers, my bad. The yeah. Clippers. You know, it's super interesting too that you say that just because, like, again, do you, like, right now, the Pelicans sit in that eight spot. And do you think they really want to make, like, the Pelicans want to make the playoffs just because, you know, it's a good look for their franchise who that doesn't really have that much success? But at the end of the day, I don't know if the Utah Jazz, well, definitely they traded Rodney Hood, but, and the Clippers, I don't know if either of those teams really want to make the playoffs because. Right. Like, what's the point, right? Exactly. They can do a lot more damage in a couple of years with a lottery pick, right? Exactly, exactly. But speaking of playoffs, uh, there's a team that one of us might be a fan of that had a very successful playoff. And uh, it kind of brings us to our Ask on Blast question. And I didn't have to go anywhere to, to find or dig deep in the crates for a question for this week, Webby, because, uh, yeah, I think there was a big game that happened last Sunday. And they're all the team that we like. So I'm just going to ask you, uh, how'd you enjoy the Super Bowl, Webby? It was the greatest football game that I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> it was an absolute culmination of years of rooting for a team that I never thought would win a championship. Not only that, but to do it against a team like the Patriots on the biggest stage in the world uh, with how they did it, too. I mean, the fourth down play on the goal line with the pass to Nick Foles. I mean, big dick, Nick. What what, what a performance. <laughs> and, and, and everything that's come since, uh, just the celebration uh, in Philadelphia, seeing all the, the entire fan base of a city that's been so tortured with this team. Uh, and then the parade today, did you see, uh, did you see Kelsey's uh, speech? Yo, he, he was on that. Like he, he's on those drugs. You can't detect like, holy shit. He's oh, on something. That, it was awesome. man. <laughs> it was awesome. So, I mean, it, it's been about, now it's been just about a week since the game. And I'm, I, I still like, I mean, after the the strip sack of Brady, when it when it was like okay, this is really going to happen, I just I stood up and I couldn't believe it. My jaw was open. I, I it, it's beyond words of what happened uh, with the Eagles. A great, and, great uh, you know what? They're pretty uh, they're in pretty good position to uh, to to make some noise again next year. I mean, they returned just about everybody. Uh, and you know, listen, big Nick Nick was absolutely unbelievable, but Carson should be ready to go by, uh, by season's start, uh, in a couple of months and, and we're going to do it all again. I enjoyed the Super Bowl so much because leading up to it, as you know, cause I gave up my pick on last week's episode of the ball on blast podcast. And, you know, I said, even though I'm a Tom Brady guy, you know, me and Tom Brady, we share a birthday, you know, that's my dude. I respect his gangster a lot. He's won me a lot of money in Super Bowls before. But with all that, I was still rolling with the Philadelphia Eagles. And my boys were chirping me so hard all day leading up to the game, asking me if I was drunk, if I went out the night before and I was still wasted. 
like why I was going to waste money on the, the Eagles, all this stuff, talking so much trash. And I was like, nah, I'm, I'm good. I'm rolling with the Eagles. So I enjoyed that game so much. And we're so spoiled because the Super Bowl, the spectacle that is the Super Bowl, right, lived up to the hype. It was such a remember, good game. Listen, Shelly, do you remember when we were young and the Super Bowl used to be the worst game of the year because it was always a huge blowout? I definitely remember that, right? And then all of a sudden, I mean, the Patriots say what you want, whether you love or hate the Patriots or root against them or whatever. They give int- they give super exciting Super Bowl games, right? Every time they're in it, the games are close. The games are fun. The games are amazing. And, you know... Even the Giants ones, when they lost, you know, win or lose, it seems the Patriots are just always a good time in the Super Bowl. I enjoyed it a lot and obviously won some money on the Eagles, which is always a a nice little cherry on top. But as an Eagles fan going against Tom Brady, were you worried at any point during that game of the comeback? Uh, Yes. (laughs) Every time, every time the Pats had the ball and every time the Eagles had the ball, I thought we were going to (laughs) lose. That's amazing. Well, congrats to your Philadelphia Eagles, Webby, on a great season, a great championship. And shout out to Meek Mill. As I had, if you follow me on Instagram, you know I had a full week of just Meek Mill tracks because I was just on a Meek Mill wave the whole week. I'm so upset that they haven't let him out of jail yet. Right? Oh, that video. There's a video that I posted on Instagram that was amazing. It was during the Eagle celebration in the streets, and these kids had a cop on camera and they just kept yelling at the cop, say, free Meek, free Meek. Come on, man, say free Meek. And then the cop's like, he doesn't want to say it, but at the same time, it's so funny. And the cop's like laughing and then he he turns to the camera, he's like, free Meek. And the crowd's like, oh, everyone has like the crazy bench reacts. It was so funny. Like, what, what did you see? I, did you see? Obviously, I know you spent a lot of time watching the Eagle celebration videos, but what was, what was your favorite video from the Eagle celebration? Cause there's a lot out there. The guy eating the horse shit was pretty great. Oh no, I didn't watch that man. Come on. Uh, and, and the guy, the guys on the awning of the Ritz Carlton was, <laughs> it was fantastic. Yo, I and, didn't know what a Wawa was, but the oh, people having the food fight in the Wawa. <laughs> oh, fantastic. For those that don't oh, know, the Wawa. You got a billion hit up a Wawa, man. The Wawa is basically like a max convenience store, like your corner store chain for those but they unfamiliar. They also make sandwiches. They also make sandwiches, yes. And there's a video of a bunch of Philadelphia fans just like tossing anything they could find whether it was drinks whether it was bags of chips whether it was food they're having a basically basically a massive food fight in the middle of this store <laughs> and the video is just absolutely amazing just, just i can't even imagine of celebration just pent up coming out oh i can't even imagine and you know what though it gives hope that maybe there's another drought for a team that hails from toronto they wear the blue oh. and white are we on the way? They're led by Austin Matthews. There gives hope. It gives hope. And wow, we can they, have our own parade they, down Young Street for the Toronto Maple looked, Leafs. They have looked very good lately. They have. But maybe we're maybe we're starting to talk a little crazy, so we should end this podcast right now before we jinx the wave that is the right. Leafs right now. <laughs> but hopefully you enjoyed this edition of the Ball on Blast podcast. As always, my name is Sheldon Alexander, and you can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander. 
and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander. I'm Andrew Webster, and I am a Super Bowl champion. <laughs> and you can find me across all social media at a Webster 84 Also, one thing of note, I know there's a lot of people here that might enjoy uh, a little show on MTV called The Challenge. Just a heads up. Also on the podcast feed, uh, another podcast we do that's called the You Killed It podcast. We had a recent episode with Jemmy, who was just spilling all. Oh my girl. Oh, my girl, Jemmy, just spilling all the tea. It was one of the best interviews we've done on the podcast for sure. That episode is currently like blowing up on the interwebs right now, if I do say so myself. So if you like the challenge and you haven't listened, go check it out for sure. And make sure you check out next week's edition of the Ball on Blast podcast as well. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya.